0: There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you?
1: Good evening. Welcome to Max Mike Movies Presents Quotes on Quotes and Quotes. <laughs> Tonight we are serving up a delectable dish of intrigue, betrayal, and murder. With the work from that master of the macabre, Neil Simon. The ghoulish Mr. Simon brings us Murder by Death. A fiendish concoction that will tantalize your taste buds, palpitate your palate, Nourish your nipples. And, okay, okay, okay. Geez, does anyone out there even recognize a bad Alfred Hitchcock impression? I doubt it. So I let's did. just get let's get on with our quotable quotient uh, this week. <laughs> I am your host, uh, Spiro Gulf, and over there is my lanky sidekick, Archie Badwin. <laughs> Say something pithy, Archie. Let's go get him. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've got a quotable movie for you this week. But first, we have the poll question. Poll question, and we got quite a few on this. What is your favorite ah, quotes? I'm making air quotes that you can't see. High school movie. Aaron Perez says, "Can't hardly wait." But well, you don't have to. You can just tell us. <sighs> oh, right, that was a movie. Um, fired. Yep, Jamie Kleinert says Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah, the classics. <laughs> Benjamin Carl says better off dead. Well, back at you, pal. It's a movie. Oh, right. Yeah, actually, it's a very early John Cusack movie. Ooh. He also mentions it's got raisins. I like raisins. I'm assuming that's from the movie. I would assume he so. just likes raisins. He might. Uh, Professor Doctor Rebecca Pelkey says Dead Poet Society some kind of wonderful, and I second Better Off Dead. Ooh, oh good, bud. Adam Mark says, Greece. Adam, that is a one-word answer. That is the shortest you have done, and we are very disappointed in you, young man. <laughs> no, we're not. Yes, we are. I, we I, didn't ask for extrapolation.
0: We just uh, asked
1: for the title yeah, but of the he film. He always gives us all the, you know, such. some of these rich answers with, like, yo... Literary citations and stuff. This was just one. I I don't know. I I don't know if I can do this show. (laughs) Uh, Tyler Stewart also mentions a dead poet society and breakfast club. Dan Schaefer brings in fast times at Ridgemont High, which I happen to know has a great deal to do with Phoebe Cates and her bikini scene. What? Uh, Val Coons, doyen of Q Footsteps, (laughs) says, I'm not a big fan of high school movies. The two I'd go with are American Graffiti, because it's a good movie, and Grease, because I like the music. Hmm, Fair enough. Chris Francione mentions Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Daniel Howe says, I really liked Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles. Got a lot of John Hughes going on here. Well. Agatha Gasparoni, Clueless. The movie, I assume, not her state of mind. No, stop being so mean. <laughs> I can't help it I, these answers are really short.
0: So what? The show, um, pad the show, no, pad the show, pad, pad pad the show. The show.
1: <laughs> Bruce Hare Jr. says hairspray. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that as a high school movie, but it kind of because not a lot of it takes place in a high school. But sure. Uh, Richard Tatum, inventor of the Tatum, <laughs> also met, brings up dazed and confused. Mm. Three o'clock high. And here's an interesting one. Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a high school movie. Sure. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Three O'Clock High is a very odd movie. I don't know that one. Dave comes Dave? Through, through with a slightly lengthier post. Yay. Uh, high school was among the most miserable times in my life, <laughs> being as I was trapped in a world I never made. Like Wag. Howard the Duck. <laughs> uh, so I, I like too many of them to count. I prefer serious, but comedy can work if it isn't too vulgar. And yet he listens to us. The <laughs> ones that stand out are Euro Trip, oh, Rock and Roll High School, <laughs> Metropolitan, and Go. I don't know either of those last two. Me okay, either. research coming up. Uh, honorable mention to Ferris Bueller and The Breakfast Club. I note that law school was high school all over again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh dear. And I wish the Ramones had made a law school movie. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> the Ramones go to law school. Oh. Rock, rock,
0: rock, rock, rock and roll lawyer.
1: Law <laughs> Do your parents know your prosecutors? Ugly, uh, ugly people. Looking at, that, at the list, it seems that the funny ones I, wa- I watch multiple times while the serious ones I watch only once. But I remember them and they have impact. Hmm. Nice hmm. one, Dave. Dave. Brian Mundo says, all of us are dead. I'm so sorry to hear that. Now, apparently that is a high school zombie movie. Oh. I, I'm intrigued. The only um, one of those I know is Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a, a high school musical zombie movie. Sure. Ned, a.k.a. Cheese Boy, brings up, look, I grew up with Mean Girls, so asking me about my favorite high school movie on this episode really isn't a fair question. We, we'll take that. That said, all of John Hughes's high school and high school adjacent movies, looking at you, "Gross Point Blank," uh, are a treat. Hmm. I'm definitely with you on "Gross Point Blank." Yeah, it's adjacent. It's a reunion, and from the frozen tundra in the north, where he hunts the mighty walrus and builds igloos, arf arf Hints. arf. <laughs> I can't say I have a favorite high school movie. Maybe Carrie counts? Oh, God. (laughs) Well, sure, but I didn't even go to the last two years as I was asked to stay away by the teachers, students, and their parents. Oh, dear. Wow. Carrie certainly seems like a good response to high school to me. (laughs) Okay. So you were in high school setting people on fire with your mind? You know, Vince,
0: I mean, how else are you going to keep warm in the frozen north?
1: (laughs) I guess so. But uh, thank you all. Uh, But Mike, what is your favorite high school movie?
0: I can't help but have a soft spot for Ferris
1: Bueller. Uh, Not only because I
0: saw it when it came out. I saw it with my mom, um, which is odd, but there you Mm. go. But there's a a very little-known high school film, and I don't remember where I saw it. And it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. Okay. It's called The Last American Virgin. I
1: know the title. I never saw it.
0: And the problem with it is that in amongst the raunchy, dumb, terrible, third-grade, C-level high school movie stuff, there's actually a really neat and touching plot and the idea is that there's this guy who likes this girl but of course she's going out with the jock or whatever and one night the girl is sobbing and comes to him because she's in trouble because it turns out she's Uh pregnant and this guy, this kid does his best to comfort her and sells his stereo and stuff to pay for an abortion for her Oh wow! and the end of the film spoiler, if you can find it, good luck uh, the next time he sees her she's back with the jock So there's a really good touching and quite honestly, probably more realistic plot in there. But there's actually, if I remember correctly, there's a dick measuring contest. So, yeah, um, I'll go with Ferris Bueller, which is an easy choice. And uh, that other film, which how about you, though? This is uh, my question. So how about you?
1: Uh, I'd have to say Fast Times at Ridgemont High, just in terms and not just because of Phoebe Cates, although believe me, I understand that. It's this odd mix of goofy, cartoonish, and painfully realistic. It's one of the only ones, besides the one you just mentioned, The Last American Version, it's one of the only high school movies where they deal with teenage pregnancy and someone getting an abortion. Yeah. And they do it very well. Very, It's very t- understated. It's not a huge thing, but it's believable. So I'd have to go with that one. Might I just mention,
0: see our previous episode on Fast I'll Time. December.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, that's pretty
1: neat. Learn about got Cuba and having some food. <laughs> so, thank you very much for all of your answers. They were all groovy, thank uh, you, Mr. Hamm. even if even if Mr. Mark uh, Mr. Marks was a bit short. Well, Stop. You're not living up to your potential, Adam. Uh, uh, but what are we going to uh, ask this week? This week, this one is more of a challenge. With our quotes, identify a quotable movie with a line that is not one of the best known quotes. You know, uh, but we'll still identify the movie. You know, no, play it, Sam, or I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, or inconceivable. Give me a mo- one of the quotes that not everyone would know or everyone quotes, but still immediately conjures up the movie.
0: Wow, that's a toughie.
1: Yeah, yep. We may not get a lot of responses, but that's what I got. And at the end of the episode, we'll tell you how to not respond. Because we're going to make you listen to the whole thing. Yep.
0: <laughs> but I bet you have other things to tell us about. Well, what's this week's movie again? Uh, murder by Death. Grr. So how about some Grr, about, that thing? Yeah, where that pause, thing. and then you tell us about trivia,
1: the facts, the budget. Almost impossible to find. Really, I looked everywhere. Wow, it's not. It's not on IMDb. It's not on Wikipedia. It's not on uh, what is it called? Movie Buzz. I couldn't find it. The closest I could get was an estimation of about 5 million dollars. But that's that right. I want to stress that is a guess huh. by by someone. The take was 38 million. Cool. To give you an idea in 2023 that's like a 150 million dollar take. Neat. Yeah. Well, that's why we got all those sequels. There is a kind of spiritual sequel, we'll get to that. Oh, neat. Sort of Uh, The writer of this is indeed Neil Simon, guy who won a Tony for The Odd Couple, wrote The Sunshine Boys, The Goodbye Girl. The director, who you may not have heard, is Robert Moore. Mm. Not Roger Moore. My brain kept filling in Roger. Or Robert Morris. (laughs) Yeah. This is his first feature film, and he didn't do a lot of feature films. He's probably his best known for TV. He directed 26 episodes of (laughs) Rhoda. Yep, wow. And, and one <laughs> counted one episode of the Bob Newhart show. Ah. Now, there were people who didn't have a lot of faith in this movie. Peter Sellers, for example, was so convinced it was going to bomb, he convinced the producers to buy back his percentage share in the movie. Oops. Oopsie. <laughs> the screaming woman sound that you hear as the doorbell. Did, I don't. Did you, by any chance, recognize it? I didn't until I read this.
0: Recognize? No. Did I notice it when I did a so little research? Yes. And I was like, yeah. We, I wish. Oh, that I was going to
1: call it the Wilhelmina scream, but it's. <laughs> it is in fact Fay Ray screaming in <laughs> King Kong. Yeah. He's mentioned in the credits and everything.
0: Ooh. Uh,
1: this is the theatrical movie debut of James Cromwell mm-hmm. and the final film appearance of Nancy Walker. She just did TV after this.
0: Yeah, and kind of the first film appearance of Little Cromwell, but we'll get that to uh, <laughs> later.
1: <laughs> just get this out of the way, just so you know. All of the detectives in this movie are parodies of the works of three authors. Dashiell Hammett, who's got Nick Charles and Sam Spade, who are Dick Charleston and Sam Diamond. Dame Agatha Christie, I'm legally required to call her Dame, whose Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple inspired Milo or Milo Perrier and Miss Marbles, and Earl Dare Biggers, who we all remember, Hmm. uh, who created Charlie Chan, who was the somewhat awkward uh, basis for Inspector Sidney Wang and Son. Yeah, we'll get to that. Myrna Loy, who played Nora in the Nick and Nora movies, was offered the part of Dora Charleston, but she declined, later saying, it would have been ridiculous to have Myrna Loy doing Myrna Loy. Yeah. She al- uh, I'm she glad al- they picked who they did Yeah, She also stated she didn't want her ass Pinched by David Niven He was apparently kind of notorious For that e- e- e. <laughs> Neil I'm Simon- pinching your butt. I'm <laughs> pinching your butt. You have such a hard butt e- e- e. Neil Simon remained on the set To take care of the rewrites As he did with this movie sequel The Cheap Detective It's mm-hmm. not really a sequel It's more of a spiritual sequel We'll get ah. to that Simon liked Alec Guinness so much that he told him if he didn't like anything in the movie, Simon would immediately rewrite it for him. But Guinness assured him it was great fun for him.
0: So real quick, if I can add something on top of that, I actually saw a quick interview with Neil Simon about the movie. And after he told that story, he told another little story about Alec Guinness. And he said, after that, Alec Guinness would go and sit down between scenes. And I saw him reading this script. Oh,
1: yes. That's where he got that script. And he was like, well, what
0: are you reading? Oh, it's this uh, science fiction thing. It's uh, probably pretty, pretty good. And, of course, on the set of this film, he was reading the script for Star Wars.
1: Yep. The, The cast is remarkable, but Catherine Hepburn was meant to play a character called Dame Abigail Christian, basically Dame Agatha Christie. Ah. Hepburn dropped out after hearing Myrna Loy wouldn't do it. Oh. So they changed the character to Dame Abigail Christmas, and Estelle Winwood took the role. After a bunch of rewrites, Winwood became Nurse Withers to a new character, Elsa Lancaster's Miss Jessica Marbles. Hmm. Elsa Lancaster and Estelle Winwood hated working together. Oh. They had a decade-long feud, I don't know about what, <laughs> that made their scenes very stressful. The animated cutout scene at the beginning and the end of the movie, that was made by Charles Adams. Mm. Yeah, so of the Adams that. family. When, at about 49 minutes in, now th- this is one of these little nitpicks, sorry, cinema nerd thing, when Lionel Twain... Truman Capote offers one million dollars for one that the one who solves the murder. He plunks down two bundles of bills. <laughs> James Benson Mum holds up the money, and we can see the sum consists of two bundles of ten thousand dollar bills, each labeled five hundred thousand dollars. That denomination was used only for intragovernment transactions and not issued to the public. Also, this series was discontinued in nineteen forty. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There. It's not the first time movie that's used the $10,000 bill, but they used to exist, but they were only really supposed to be used for banks. There are several scenes in this movie that ended up on the cutting room floor, mm. one of which I, I actually saw. They only showed it in the TV cut. Mm-hmm. When leaving Twain Manor at the end of the movie, the Wangs pass a vintage car heading to the same destination. It's driven by Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Sort of. Well, sort of. They ask directions, which Sydney gives them despite Willie's efforts to warn them that it's a ripoff. Willie asks his pop why he didn't tell them the truth. Sydney replies, let idiots find out for themselves. <laughs> There's a bunch of other stuff, some of which will probably get integrated into this.
0: I have a couple quick ones, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, sure. So in the, I know we don't usually dwell a lot on this, but this one I was like, really? Did you see who the original choice to play Sidney Wang was? Yes, Orson Welles, and he only didn't do it because he was already doing a play. <laughs> I cannot
1: picture that, but <laughs> I sure, can't either. Hey, he's already he already did blackface when he played Othello. Yeah,
0: yeah well, you are not to a to that. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, also, both Neil Simon and the director Robert Moore tried to get Capote out of the movie, but I he heard just wouldn't go.
1: <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't leave. He ended up getting nominated for, like, a Golden Globe or something.
0: Are you sure it wasn't a Golden Raspberry?
1: It might have been. <laughs> yeah, this this is the only credited movie that Truman Capote is in. Good. He did a bunch of TV, but almost never credited. He did a lot of narration. And he showed up a couple of times on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In.
0: Suck it to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not writing. That's just typing. <laughs> well, I'm sure you have a lovely story to tell us. A oh, lovely yes. story poo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a murder. By death? Five of the world's greatest literary detectives, or rather parodies of them, and their sidekicks slash wives slash nurses slash Hogwarts professors are invited <laughs> to a weekend dinner and murder by the mysterious Lionel Twain. Get it? Lionel Train, Lionel Twain, played by legendary actor Truman Capote. They are treated to a plethora of murder mystery cliches, a mysterious blind butler who is secretly a Jedi Knight, locked doors, pictures with moving eyes and tongues, moving rooms, locked doors, and a million-dollar prize for whoever can solve the murder. But all is not what it seems. In fact, nothing is what it seems for the detectives and for the audience. Turns out all of these detectives have a motive to murder Mr. Twain, who predicts the exact time, method, and location of his own murder only to be proved right. Sort of. Maybe? (laughs) Quips are quipped, bonds are motted, and no one actually gets any dinner. All were served up is a cast of actual legendary actors, and a final reveal that is noticeable mainly for the lack of any meddling kids, a dog, or a goofy van. The Film
0: So, my usual first question, do you know when you first saw this
1: film? I saw this movie in 1976 when it came out in the movie theater.
0: You too? Yep. Yep. I did as well. What an odd picture for young teenagers
1: to want to go see. I didn't know who about 90% of the characters were supposed to be parodying. I didn't know. I'd never seen the Thin Man movies. I didn't know who Nick and Nora Charles were. I had no idea who Hercule Poirot was. I got the the, the Charlie Chan reference only from the cartoon, The Amazing Chan <laughs> and the Chan Clan. <laughs> That the was the only, my only Charlie Chan you should ever watch. That's the only exposure to Charlie Chan I had for decades. Charlie Chan and the and Chan, Chan Clan. clan. That's the amazing <laughs> Chan and the Chan Clan. Sorry, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, sir, I had no idea who Jessica Marbles was supposed to be. That just, I'm like, huh. I understood the idea of the sort of film noir detective that Sam Diamond was, but I didn't know who Sam Spade was. Yeah. So it was very, it was still funny to me as a kid, but. I didn't get most of it.
0: That was the same thing for me. I remember really liking it. I just don't know why. Yeah. Because I'm sure almost all the jokes went over my head. That being said, and the reason it's in this series, is there are quotes I've been stating, restating from this film since 1976.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely have. I think it's awesome that you actually also
0: saw it when it came out. I remember where? I remember Walking Home, which was a mistake, from that movie.
1: I remember the theater. Yep. Yep.
0: Well, do we want to start with the cast?
1: Sure, cuz the cast is amazing.
0: It won't take very long. None of them are very good.
1: Oh, yeah, they none of them <laughs> went on to do anything. We, first off, we've got two members of actual English aristocracy in yep. this. We've got Sir Alec Guinness and uh, uh, sorry, uh I'm sorry, Dame Maggie Smith who should shave. Well, I, huh? Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> That's from the uh, when Ian McKellen was doing his Maggie Smith oh. impression. <laughs> Kiss for luck, little little Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work, did it? Um,
0: <laughs> he does a wonderfully cutting Maggie Smith, and you yep. can tell that they have been doing this to each other for yep. decades.
1: Forever.
0: So who do you want to start with, Alec Guinness uh, or Maggie Smith?
1: Well, let's start with Alec Guinness. Okay. Alec Guinness in this, it's a kind of unforgiving role. First of all, in today's world, it would be incredibly offensive. Because he's portraying a blind, well, an allegedly blind man,
0: and we start the film. The first joke, real joke, joke is a blind butler joke. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Blind people are funny because they can't see. But he,
1: he carries it off so well. He is so deadpan, even through lines like "Ah, as you can see, I can see." It's, and this is jumping way ahead, but his big thing is at the end, the last scene where, well, not the last scene, but the last scene in the house where he plays five characters in five minutes, including a woman.
0: Yeah. And I would say that that's where you get your ham with your cheese. Because he really just lets go and he's, his gestures when he's a quote woman end quote are, um, yeah.
1: Over the top, (laughs) yes. But But it's done for humor. So who cares? Just the idea is, uh, yes, thank you, Benson. No, sir, Benson Mum. (laughs) His name is actually James, sir, Benson Mum. Yeah. And I
0: remember that interview, too, one of the things that Neil Simon was worried about was, here I've got Alec frickin' Guinness, an Oscar winner, G- Alec Guinness, Bridge of the River Kwai, Shakespeare, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's just going to look at this writing and just go, eh. And apparently Guinness was like, no, 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 this is actually a nice turn. I'd, I'd like to do something a little lighter and funnier for a change. <laughs> and apparently he had a good time, so good for him. But if you're expecting... Obi-Wan Kenobi, you ain't gonna get it. Nope,
1: nope. And he leans into the comedy and he nails it shut. You gotta remember, he used to do things like the Lavender Hill Mob and mm-hmm. the Lady Killers. He's done comedy.
0: Yeah. Maggie Smith. Oh. Maggie Smith is a gem in this film. And I've seen this film I, countless times since 76. And this is the first time I've sat and watched it, like, critically. And her character... Is so biting, but it's like, it is that iron fist wrapped in velvet, right? Some of the things she says are just so, oh, oh, and she just gets away with it. And yep. she's very elegant. She Almost always, one of the two of them always has a
1: martini in their hands, although nobody has mixed them. Yep, you don't know where they come from. They just somehow materialize. And she is so understated and so subtle. And honestly, with David Niven, this is the first time I was watching David Niven going, huh, he's kind of hammy. Yeah. Because next to her, he looks hammy. And I always thought of David Niven as more subtle and restrained, but... This is when you remember. Oh, he's not as good as she is. I and
0: never. Th- I would never have thought that he was. I think he has meh. that upper class feeling to him. But I don't. I never equated that with acting ability. No. Even, even to me, was a character actor, and Maggie yeah. Smith is an actor actor. Yeah. And if you've only seen her in Harry Potter, I don't know. I just. I love her in this. She just. Anyway, yep. Yeah. She
1: is. She is awesome, and also she is stunning. Yeah. And she, everything she wears just looks like she just stepped off a runway in Milan. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and we got that James Coco, who not generally a huge yeah. name, but yeah,
0: I, he made me laugh. He can I be very funny,
1: and I thought he does a nice job. He does. And Oddly enough, his chauffeur is you know, Marcel. Is James Cromwell? This is his first movie. I thought their relationship was the ni- was this cutest. They're like a married couple. They're
0: totally an old married couple. Even when he pretends to be surprised that James Cromwell's in bed. His, I think his name is Marcel. Yeah, it is. And Marcel's in bed with him. What are you doing in my bed? And he's like, oh, no, else to sleep, monsieur. And, and that's
1: it. He's like, okay, he's not upset. And I like the bit where he's like, you know, if you do that, I will tell them all that you wear it to pay. He's like, they already know. Then why do you wear one? I didn't know that you knew. Of course I know. He's terrible (laughs) today. It's like he cares about what his chauffeur thinks about his hair. I think that's adorable.
0: Well, and the thing about James Cromwell, which is not as obvious in other films, but which is painfully obvious in this film, is that he towers over everybody. He is
1: huge. (laughs) David Cromwell is a massive gentleman.
0: But weirdly, in speaking of that scene, he is wearing... (laughs) A fishnet set of underwear that reveals everything, and yeah, yeah. I can't figure
1: out why. I don't know. I, maybe it's supposed to be French underwear. They always used to make jokes how French lingerie was very sexy.
0: Well, it in a way it is. It's just... You just, just you. I said you get to see big and little Cromwell. I mean, yeah. it's it's hidden fairly well, and he might actually be wearing sl- like a, a jock underneath it. But you see everything else, and it's just like, why is he wearing that? That's so bizarre. But yeah, he's funny. James yep. Cromwell's funny.
1: There he is. And Peter Falk is in this. He's.
0: Hmm? I was gonna say Peter Falk. Sorry, whenever I do something like that, the audience can't tell that I'm gesturing. Yeah. Yep. Peter Falk. I love Columbo. Mm. I adore Columbo. And my feeling is that, as an actor, Peter Falk was lucky that Columbo came around <laughs> because everything I've seen him in in general feels like Columbo, but slightly this way or slightly that way. He has that one
1: way. note. He's done a few slightly different things in, like, The In-Laws with Alan Arkin and, you know, the grandpa in Princess Bride, which admittedly only has about five lines. Yeah, But, but he, he doesn't have a lot of range, but he knows how to pick his parts. He knows how to how to choose what will work for him. What was interesting to me is that at the
0: end of the movie,
1: Mm, when he shifts out of Sam Diamond mode, when he
0: shifts out of doing Humphrey Bogart, it's like, Oh, there actually was a lot to your performance. I just didn't see it because he basically tones down to basically Columbo or himself. And I was like, Oh, I get it. Now you actually were doing a lot and I just couldn't see it. So, I appreciate him. He's one of those actors where if you want this, he does it better than anybody else. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: And uh, I think Eileen Brennan is great as the dame, you know, the 40s noir girl Friday. She is perfect. Yeah.
0: She has this this beleaguered, worn down And this whiskey dedication. voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she also has the way they've got her dress. She has this this cheapness to her mm-hmm. that is really hard to get without making it look staged. Like you can tell her clothes are not new.
1: It is that line from Do- that Dolly Parton said, it costs money to look this cheap.
0: <laughs> and she doesn't look cheap in that. Oh, I streetwalk kind of way. She no, looks it's like, like, Oh, he never pays. me. Yeah. I have no it.
1: money and I'm trying to look good anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I, I, and she, I don't know her Nails from her. a lot of other things, but She's I thought she, did, she was perfect. Ton. Yeah, I know she did a lot of TV. I think. A lot She's of these all, people
1: did TV. But. They did. She's also with Peter Falk in the Chief Detective.
0: Right. Okay.
1: We got. Oh yeah. Then there's uh, El- Elsa. There's Jessica Marbles and the Nurse Elsa Lancaster. Yep. And uh, Estelle Winwood. Yeah. They don't get a lot to do, but they are. So they get some of the funny, really funny moments.
0: The one thing I'll say, and I was going to get to this later, is, and this is not Elsa's fault. Yeah. Of all the parodies, hers was the weakest.
1: Yeah. Because. The character of, I'm sorry, Miss Marples in the the Agatha Christie books, and I have only read like one or two. Mm-hmm. She's not, she doesn't have, the, she's not that distinctive. She no, doesn't have a lot of
0: traits to parody. No, she's very, she's old, she's an old lady, and mostly yeah. what she does is observe. Yeah. It's hard to parody observing unless you just had her staring at things all through the film, which wouldn't have worked. So she's, because I've seen all of the Miss Marples of the TV shows. And nothing about her performance, nothing about her character reminded me of Miss Marple. Yeah. Miss Marple doesn't have a sidekick of any kind, never mind yeah, her I thought she was. Yeah, I thought she was worked solo. She did. So that's okay, because she's delightful. Elsa's delightful. And, of course, some of my favorite quotes come from Estelle yep. Winwood. We'll get to those <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. But
1: that, I, when I saw the movie the first time, I had no idea who either of those women were. I recognized most of the others. I didn't know. Well, I'd never seen The Bride of Frankenstein. I didn't know Elsa Lancaster, and I didn't certainly didn't know Estelle Winwood. I certainly
0: knew Bride of Frankenstein, but I didn't realize this was her because, of course, it was forty look years like later. Her at all. Yeah, <laughs> like literally forty years later. So, and Estelle Winwood, I think she's also done lots of TV. She's one of those people yeah. that has just been old forever, and that's just the way it goes. Yep. Hey, how about that woman who has the utterly thankless role?
1: Oh, Nancy Walker. Yeah. She oh, literally yeah. has
0: no lines. Literally.
1: She is supposed no. to play she plays a deaf character who cannot speak and apparently can't read English either, although she can write it.
0: Well, she can't write it. She
1: all she the notes can, are made by When she writes the note that says the butler is dead.
0: No, it says it by Acme. It's di-
1: That's the one well, the only one we see that is signed by the Acme Letter Writing Company, which I th- thought is great. Yeah. When she comes into the into the dining room mime screaming. Yeah, she holds up and hands them a note, and it says, "As the, I th- the butler is dead. My name is Yetta. I don't I don't work Thursdays."
0: I want to come back to her character.
1: Okay, I think it's almost what character. Unf- be- She's be- basically a prop.
0: I'm going to disagree. We're going to come back to her. I want to, but Nancy Walker. Uh, it's nice that she agreed to do this. It could have literally been anybody.
1: Yeah, it could. Although she does the physical stuff. She does a lot of getting stuff across just with her facial expressions. Yeah. That, would, that is difficult. And I, I, I think yeah, it's a thankless job, but she puts herself into it. She does not half ass it.
0: Um, we have the unknown Richard Narita. I did not recognize him, who plays Sydney Wang's
1: son, Willie. Uh, yeah. Yes, who is <laughs> Yes, the Japanese son, who is number three son, usually in the Charlie Chan movies. Charlie Chan is out with number one son. Right. I don't know if he ever gets a name. I but always. We... But yes, we got it. I'm afraid we have to talk <laughs> about the elephant in the room. Yeah. Peter Sellers as as the Chinese character, Sidney Wang. Yeah. Oh boy, you remember our, our, our. This would work very well in our series on whitewashing, except it's not whitewashing. Well, yes, it is. It's yellow. Wa- I don't know. What do you call it?
0: Uh, it's the same idea. It's fine.
1: Yeah, it's it's a white guy playing an Asian character. Well, we did John Wayne, so that yeah, counts. yeah.
0: So here's the only way I can vaguely ex- excuse
1: this. Yeah.
0: In all of the Charlie Chan yeah. films, yeah. Charlie Chan was all. He was Warner Olan. It was like
1: always played by a white guy. I don't think he al- was ever played. Was he ever no, played by? No. I didn't think so.
0: No. So, and of course, half they're kind the deal of going with, along with that. Half the deal with the character is the fact that he speaks pidgin English, but yeah. is wise beyond whatever.
1: He um, talks like a fortune cookie. Constantly. They, if someone calls him out on that. Yeah.
0: And here's the really hard. It's the 70s. Because it was okay to make fun of Asian people there. Yeah. The real problem with Peter Sellers' performance, to
1: me, is he still makes me laugh. That's the thing. It's, it's incredibly offensive. It's incredibly imp- inappropriate. It's funny as hell. It yeah. just is. I mean, just now come I, back and pick up adopted father. You know, you, a dog's howling. The son goes, but I didn't hear nothing. What What did you hear? Double negative and dog.
0: <laughs> I Yeah. And this is one of my favorite quotes, and yours too, I'm sure is coming. It's it is one of those ha ha, ha cringe. Ha yeah, ha cringe. Yeah,
1: it is. You, and again but the, again you have to look at it in the context of the time. This I was perfectly acceptable.
0: I cannot recommend making fun of people who have Trouble with English because, hey, how many languages do you speak?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you can learn a multi tone language like Chinese, then come and talk, or like Mandarin or Cantonese, then come and talk. But otherwise, you know, yeah. shut, shut it's up.
0: A, it's a caricature, and it's a caricature not only of a stereotype; it's a caricature of the way Hollywood used to whitewash over yeah. things. Yeah. But that's me making excuses for something that is just offensive. So we just have to say right out: if you decide to watch this film. Peter Sellers playing a quote-unquote Asian person. If you're going to watch Peter Sellers play a very ra- racial, stereotype, offensive character, know it's there. Yeah, Just be, be re- one. Be ready
1: for it. And which brings us to the last perf- performer.
0: What, Myron the dog?
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, the dog was cute. I mean, he was. The ra- I think he was the right breed. He's actually a Jack yeah. Russell, which I think asked. No, no no, is... no, 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 it's an Airedale. Airedale, okay, yeah. excuse me. What Mike meant to say— Was Fox Terrier, but we have Truman Capote for so, and this is like (laughs) I gotta give him credit. Who is like the last person you would think to put in a a parody of a murder mystery? I'm gonna put in all I can think is because he wrote uh, in Cold Blood.
0: I don't even know what or who. May he have friends with
1: somebody? I don't know. Well, he wrote a lot for movies and TV. Yeah, guy wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's.
0: I guess. And uh, no, we—he uh, has a lot to answer for
1: there. Yeah, uh, not like there was an Asian stereotype in that one, but uh, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say
0: both of us think that his performance is borderline terrible. Oh
1: yeah, he can't—he's not an actor. He can't act, but somehow it's funny as hell.
0: He's very memorable in that role, yes. and I honestly don't want anyone else in that role. As terrible as he is, I kind of don't. I don't want somebody on the level of the rest of these people. I don't know if it would be as funny.
1: One of the running gags in the movie, and this is where the only time he actually acts, is when he gets upset. One of the running gags is, as he says to Sidney Wang, I'll answer your question if you can tell me, Mr. Wang, why one of the most brilliant minds on Earth can't master his articles or (laughs) prepositions. What is the problem, Mr. Wang? That is what I said. What is problem? <laughs> or when he is somehow sticking his head into a moose head on the wall and he yells, oh, "Look, voice come from cow on wall. It's, moose! Moose! You moron! Use your damn pronouns." <laughs>
0: We have been quoting that for decades. Yep, oh, that voice is, come from cow on wall. <laughs> it's
1: moose, moose, you moron! Use your goddamn <laughs> pronouns. Is. I don't know why that line just kills me every time.
0: It does. Yeah, that's beside. And, and we mentioned David Niven in passing. and David Niven is quite honestly David Niven is David Niven.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, he's playing David Niven. He plays what he always does,
0: which is fine because yeah, that's it kind works. of what we need, so it's fine.
1: He was actually considered for the role of Nick Charles in the Nick and Nora movies.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I, yeah, he's fine.
1: He, yep. he works very well, he d- and he, he does even has well. his
0: moments. Yep. Although, really, most of the humor goes to uh, Dame Maggie Smith and yeah. Good. Yeah. She anyway. So that's the cast. Let's yeah. talk
1: about the um, plot. Yeah. <laughs> now the plot. I have to say, I did, didn't realize not a lot actually happens in this movie. No. But it, it's oh boy, it's every kind of mystery. I'd say more of the cozy mystery cliches, yeah. as opposed to say the hard boiled mysteries. The cozy ones are, you know, Agatha Christie and such. The ones that take place in in manor houses or little cottages. Yeah, there's the whole you know, the, the mysterious servants the, the the way the murder is set up. I kind of I kind of like that he challenges them. You know, T- right. Twain says, "I am challenging you to solve this murder." Because sitting at this table, Leo you know, is the greatest criminologist in the world, and they all look at each other. And he's like, no, no, don't look at each other. Look at me. I'm the greatest. I'm number one.
0: Yeah, to me, you look like number two. Know what I mean?
1: What does he mean?
0: I'll tell you later. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I've been quoting forever before yep. I even understood what it meant.
1: We'll we'll get to the uh, quotes. Yeah, but I, yeah, but uh, yes, it,
0: it feels a lot like one of Agatha Christie's more famous stories. It feels a lot like, to, uh, and then there were none. Oh yeah, and twelve little Indians. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was yeah, yeah. Yeah. awkward because um, uh, she also had issues with race in mm-hmm, her books, mm-hmm. which doesn't often come up, but it's true. Yeah, it's it's just and it's all very brightly lit. So it's not noir. It's very like you said it's very much a cozy the term for the manor house the weekend, you know, the shooting weekend or whatever. Yep. And the rich Every, people
1: Everyone's always dressed impeccably, the food is always amazing. That's one of the gags, of course, is nothing gets served. Right. Or at one point I frank franks and beans are served, <laughs> which much horrifies to the <laughs> horrifies Monsieur Perrier.
0: Yeah. We get very broad caricatures. Yeah. Um, we start off seeing M- Milo Perrier in the car eating chocolate and getting food and stuff all over him, and you know, oh, you chocolate all over your face, sloppy, sloppy. And it is not one of, to the best of my knowledge, not one of Poirot's things that he is big on sweets. He is very big on liking
1: his food, and his he's, his he's very a foodie. He's, mm-hmm.
0: he, he is a foodie. He's a gourmand.
1: Um, I think it's I think you mean gourmet. Gourmand is a glutton.
0: In this case, he's a
1: gourmand okay <laughs> true he's, he's, but he's, most, he's more worried about the dinner than the fact that someone's been murdered
0: and he's always about those little details that other people miss, but of course he is it's James Coco. you're not going to get subtle, which is fine because <laughs> no. the character shouldn't be yeah um he doesn't really have the uh, he doesn't have a chauffeur. he does have his friend Captain Hastings uh-huh. who uh, is the closest thing to what James Cromwell's doing we've got Sam Spade, who is Sam Spade. I think they're the closest to their characters next to Dick Indora, Nick and Dora, Nick and Dora Charles.
1: Yeah, you get that Sam Diamond, Sam Spade, suit cards. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I think through movies, I, more than books, I've seen all of these characters. Which is your favorite, portrayal, or Favorite? I wouldn't say portrayal, your favorite caricature of the group? Do you oh, have wow. one? I oh, don't, wow. I don't
1: know if I really have one. I mean, honestly... Sidney Wang is probably the out and out funniest. I'm ashamed to say it. Yeah. The most on point, I think, is Sam Diamond. He yeah. really gets across that Sam Spade or uh, oh, who's the other one? Philip Marlowe yeah. sort. But f- more Sam Spade because Sam Spade was more gritty. Well, sp- I, I, th- I think those work. I, I think in terms of like the, the way they carry themselves, and the way they sound, uh, the Charlestons are really good parodies of Nick and Nora Charles, except. They're not as funny. Nick and Nora Charles are funny in their own movies. They were biting. They were biting, and they would. the back and forth was much stronger. And uh, I didn't get that as much with these two. So, I, I and again, I blame David Niven for that. I just don't think he was as clever as uh But as maybe Nick that's Charles.
0: part of the parody. It maybe might the be. The parody was that they are so funny and biting, and here they're actually kind of...
1: Yeah, in reality, they're kind of dull. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I got to go in terms, like I say, of accuracy with Sam Diamond. Uh, Yeah. How how about you?
0: I would say accuracy, I would probably go there too, because they take all of that Dashiell Hammett-ish dialogue, and they really, or I should say, Neil Simon really pushes it as far as it will go for its ridiculousness. And... I, again, I didn't realize because I haven't watched this critically f- ever that Peter Falk is basically doing Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, at, he but over the is. top. And of yep. course, Humphrey Bogart could sell that stuff in the 40s. So I think, and especially again, Eileen Brennan, I don't think that she is as, she's not nearly as well known. But she plays that part perfectly. Like I don't know if I've seen anybody else play that part seriously as well as she plays it in here. Yeah, her, her long sufferingness. Yeah, her sighing and the obvious tired love she has for him, even though she's like, "Why do you keep those naked muscle man magazines in Suspects.
1: the office?" Suspects. I'm always <laughs> always looking for evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I, that and it. I. It's kind of painful because you realize why do the women in those stories stick around? Because the the detectives in those, you know, Sam Spade and and Philip Marlowe, they treat their secretaries slash sort of love interests terribly. Yeah, and this really you know emphasizes that because he treats her like crap. When the car runs out of gas, he sends her five miles with a gas can to to bring some back, and, then, and of course she says. You could have told me we needed oil before I left the first time.
0: I don't know. Maybe you come back, maybe you wouldn't. You
1: know, I, I love that whole little sort of reference to Casablanca. you know. Last time I trusted a dame, she said she was going out for wine. Two hours later the Germans marched in. I never saw her again. I'm sorry. So, Sam, never mind, sorry, give me my give me my change. <laughs> or at the end it's like, you know how to whistle, don't you?
0: Oh sure Sam. Never mind, you, you blew it. You
1: ruined it. <laughs>
0: So they're probably my favorite, but again, this time around where I'm watching the film to watch the film, Maggie Smith was just such a delight, and she's half clueless and half on target. And here's where I want to get into one of the points of the film. So at the end of the film, when all of the separate pairs of of detectives come in, and they all try to claim the million dollars, because they all have... The actual solution, and it turns out that Lionel Twain is all these different people, or none of these different people,
1: they're all wrong basically.
0: Well, here's the thing are they? Because, uh-huh. as it turns out, in essence, Dora Charleston actually solved the mystery early on because she said, Doesn't this mean the cook did it? Mm-hmm. and, and in essence, she's right, kind
1: of right, and also. Perrier is right. At the beginning, he he says Benson Mum isn't blind. Yeah. He says he's faking, although, as he, <laughs> he does, he makes a bunch of faces at him, and he must be blind. Those were my funniest faces. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was just like, I was surprised, because it looked like that somebody actually answered the question. It kind of. So... That's one way of looking at it. And you said that, uh, Perry, I noticed that. But And if you look at it another way, and I said I wanted to come back to Nancy Walker's character. So if you haven't seen the film, we're going to give away the ending. Yep. Stop here. Go off. Come back. Okay, you're back. Yep. So what happens you you. is we see the body of Lionel Twain. Truman Capote, he's been stabbed, he's dead. Twelve times
1: in the back with a butcher knife that's still there.
0: Exactly like he said. And then at the end of the film, we see a close-up of a hand crossing all the names of the detectives off because they supposedly have been killed off by the real culprit. Yeah, who who had death traps
1: in every room.
0: Who initially is Alec Guinness, the butler, who, as you can see, I can see. Yes. Then... They each come through and say, no, you're not that person, you're this person, up to and including very all these other people. Yeah. At the very end, when all the detectives have gone away dejectedly, having been told off and by embarrassed whoever, whoever this is, yeah. he starts laughing, but he takes his hat off, this amazing Ambrose Beers hat, and... This red hair falls, and it turns out somehow if you add about three feet in height and <laughs> about two feet in breadth, it's Nancy Walker.
1: Now, to be fair, Truman Capote was only
0: five three. Yeah, but Nancy Walker's like four <laughs> ten. True. So here's my question. Yeah. Who is she meant to be at the end of the film? I fall? don't know,
1: because then she starts laughing, but it's a man's voice.
0: But now I kind of wondered because this came up is she meant to be Rita, the
1: daughter? I don't think it matters. I think that's part of the gag. It's like here, we're not, yeah, not only did the detectives all get it wrong, but you, the audience, got it wrong, and we're not, we're going to do exactly what Twain accuses the others of of doing, which is we're not going to give you enough information to solve it yourself. The only thing
0: I will say is that if it is meant somehow to be Rita, then Perrier wins, because he actually says at one point, that it was the daughter and he, he would have won the money. Yeah, no, I know I it's don't a think tiny it little thing. It's just one of those matters, things but, that I yeah. never thought about. Cause I've seen this so many times, but I just, it was so interesting. Cause again, it's when you get to be, go back and look at a movie, cause there's films that we've said we've seen X amount of times. And then we realize if we actually sit and watch, watch it, there's stuff even after almost 50 years. Oh, I never noticed this before, but and there, to be fair, the only reason that, um, Dora wouldn't have won is because at one point now, Lionel Twain says no wives I <laughs> so, refuse
1: to discuss this with wives yeah which is just <laughs> sexist but whatever yeah. but we want to do the quotes too don't we yes we do and there are a bunch I, I still like ah car lost in fog is like like man buying fresh mushroom Pfft. idiot did not finish mushroom story <laughs> I also love you know there's something wrong I can feel it in my burns You had buns and you did not tell me? No, the buns in my body. (laughs) You should not speak with an accent when you know I'm so hungry. That was one of mine, which is not one I've used before. We're in Wang's wing. So you're saying she committed suicide? Oh no, it was murder, all right. Mrs. Twain hated herself. (laughs) I've forgotten that one. That's so odd. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to find the can. Sometimes I talk so much, I forget to go. we are saved by the fa- only by the fact that I am enormously well bred, <laughs> and of course that the ex- the exchange between Miss Marple's and and her nurse, murder poo. Yes, dear, we're going to have a lovely murder poo. <laughs> uh, what what are some of yours?
0: So, uh, <laughs> this is one of Dickie Dick not Charleston's. Yeah. You still have the best tush in high society. <laughs> And I forget what he says when to get this reaction, but at one point she just turns to him and says, Dickie, language.
1: <laughs> I think he says damn. Yeah. Uh,
0: there's one I totally forgot, it's by Eileen Brennan's character Tess Geffington. Sam, you're spitting on the nurse. <laughs> That's
1: right. I like and him and the nurse when they're sitting there all holding hands. Uh, quit it. Cut it out. Stop it. Well, what, what's happening? Yeah. The nurse has given my palm the finger, dirty old bra. <laughs> Naughty, naughty Miss Withers. (laughs) One thing I do have to point out, most of the lines that we like, they aren't like in Mean Girls. They aren't one-liners. They're exchanges. It's (laughs) always somebody playing off of somebody else. Like, why would anyone want to steal a dead, naked body? And then Dick leans over, whispers in her ear, and she gets this weird (laughs) smile. Oh, that's tacky. That's really tacky. (laughs)
0: Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why you and I like them because one of us will say one a- part yep. of that and the other one will automatically finish it, which is also <laughs> one of the reasons that other people can't stand to be around us.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But
0: other, there are some one liners. One that I'd forgotten in this one was no pulse, no heartbeat. If condition not <laughs> yep. change, this man is dead. <laughs> and then yep. one of the biggest ones, and I'll just do the ending part, which is gunshots, Dickie, shoes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Solvi poo <laughs> uh, yes, yes, Solvy-poo And she also at one point says, oh, sicky-poo mm. um, <laughs> At one point uh, Sam Diamond's gone off on something And Dickie re- uh, says off, Sort of off to the side Bizarre little twit um, yes. And there's sure one other one guy. Which is Sam Diamond That can only mean one thing And I don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> Answer very
1: simple Question complicated Where's my dicky? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Where's my, my husband? My, or, or even just that little, when Jessica Marples does this quick speech, oh, I had this caca scared out of being, Maggie Smith just goes, you know, I like her. I really like her. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's such a wonderful line, the way she delivers it. Because for just a second, you get the feeling that's Maggie Smith. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's another one-liner that you and I have used many times. I'm not a Frenchie. I'm a Belgie. <laughs> Or one of his last lines in the film, Monsieur Twain would come to France every season <laughs> hunting for poodles. <laughs> or one that's much more applicable to us these days. Sadly, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm old.
1: <laughs> no, not that, not that kind of gas. The kind, the kind that kills. Well, sometimes my gas.
0: <laughs> one of mine turned out to be from one of the deleted scenes. Oh. And it's there, this is Dick and Dora driving towards the mansion at the beginning, and he's all happy, as I said, and he says, I smell crime in the air. And she says, I'm not surprised, you just ran over a small animal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, lots and lots of good, as you pointed out, some of them are fun because the other person gets to fill them in. Mm-hmm. And we have done so since the film came Many,
1: out. many times.
0: But uh, i am it's, its nearly that. Speaking of times, we have—we're nearly out of time. Any more notes you wanted to get to before I, we get to did, the
1: end? I did like one other quote of Lionel Twain's that I had forgotten. When they ask, you know, he says he's seventy-six, and which is the year of the movie. And uh, they say, "Well, how do you look like that? A complete vegetable diet, twelve hours sleep at night, and lots and lots of makeup." <laughs>
0: Apparently after this film the makeup ran out.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, otherwise that's about that's uh, all I got. Yeah, we should find out if this film holds
0: up. So let's get to that. The finish. So Max. Yeah. How many you do even know how many times you've seen this? I
1: lost count. I've seen yeah. this movie so many times. I used to go anytime it would show up in the theater I'd go see it when I was a kid.
0: It is one of those films that Perhaps, and I'm going to ask you this in a specific way. It is one of those films that perhaps lives better in nostalgia. Yeah, than it doesn't. I, I was going s- to say, is I,
1: that true for you? Yes, it doesn't hold up. I have to say, I still love the lines. I still love the memory of it. But when I'm watching it, I'm going, "This is not as funny as I remember," and it's. Not just the offensive parts, because I'm sorry, uh, and I apologize to those of you out there who think differently. I don't mind offensive humor if it's really funny. If if something is offensive and it's trying to be funny, it has to be way more funny than it is offensive. It has a much higher standard. And you know, I think the Sydney Wang stuff is pretty funny, even though it is. You do find yourself cringing nowadays, and I find myself embarrassed by laughing at it. And but. I don't think this holds up as well. It's kind of the jokes are kind of far between, and some of the some of it drags at times. Although most of it, the pacing is good, but it's just not the. I remember this being brilliant, and I don't think it is. I kind of see why it's not as uh, enduring a classic. Why, for one thing, it's so hard to find. Never the cheap detective, by the way, is almost impossible to find. Hmm. What about you?
0: What did you think? So. Like you, I've seen this so many times, it's almost impossible to extricate my opinion of the film from my memories of the film. And I was trying to watch this more critically. And there are things that I smile at because I remember them and love to hear them again. It's this nostalgia thing. The thing I will say is that there are parts of this film that still make me laugh. And for a film to do that after nearly 50 years, after so many viewings... I have to give it credit. It is very much a product of its time. In the 70s, at least, I don't know about this country. Well, actually, in the 70s, yeah, mysteries were a big thing. The Sunday mystery movie
1: on NBC begat
0: Macmillan and Wife and Columbo. Detective
1: shows roamed the earth freely, yes.
0: (laughs) Free range.
1: (laughs) It made them tastier. Yep.
0: And so it was. So the whole detective things was, was still very much in the public eye. It was is people were consuming it and stuff. And I can totally see why they would choose to do a parody of that. That being said, if you don't know the characters in this and you're not twelve, because apparently being twelve lets you get by that. Because oh, yeah. that's how old I was. I was eleven technically. I I'm not sure that you would find it funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the way it's shot quite honestly
1: feels very T V. It does. It's, it's very flat. It's very shot from one angle for most yeah. part. Yeah.
0: And we have the racism aspect in it. And again, if you if you want to be an apologist, you can say, well, they're just making fun of the fact that it was always a white guy and nobody believed that it was a blah blah. That's nice. And it, it's a mathematically, reasonable argument it, too. Mathematically it fits and you get the right answer, except you're ignoring the main problem. Yeah. I think that a modern audience wouldn't get this film I think that in that respect it doesn't hold up I never thoroughly thought it was brilliant I just thought it was funny Yeah. and in that respect I still think it's funny it can I still be, love it, this yeah. film mm-hmm. and I will watch it again and again and I will laugh at the parts that I have always laughed at I will notice little tiny things that I probably haven't noticed in decades I will still love the performances if you are a younger person don't have the experience with this type of thing, these characters, if mysteries don't interest you at all, if you don't, haven't ever read a book that was a mystery, got to the end and went, son of a bitch, that character was not in here and you told me this other thing and now you're saying that wasn't the one. No. If you've never felt that level of exasperation from a poorly written mystery, this is not a film for you. But it has so many, and of course it's Neil Simon, right?
1: It is. Neil Simon, but the thing is, it's a very Neil Simon movie. Sure. Neil Simon's movies, there's a lot of quips, a lot of one-liners, and there isn't a lot of depth to to many of them. But they're well written. They are very well written, and they move along, and you laugh at them. It's entertaining, and if nothing else, it is a lot of fun to look at some of these screen legends and see them in this kind of a movie where they're just having a good time.
0: And also in the day where, I have to say, so many of the movies, the recent movies we watch, Moonfall, are (laughs) so poorly written, it is so nice to just see something that's really well thought out and put together. So, I'm going to say if you're more towards middle age, if you ever had any experience with these characters and haven't seen this film, or haven't seen it in a long time, by all means. If you're a younger viewer, if mystery's not your thing, if you are reasonably upset at the idea of the... Racism in the film, fine, ignore it.
1: I, I gotta say, if you're, I know younger people who do read Agatha Christie and and uh, Nero Wolf and all, all those other guys. Uh, you, if you are a fan of mystery novels, of whatever age you are, you might get a kick out of this. Yeah.
0: But uh, that's the end of this film. Yep. Uh, what yes, it is. Do, uh, oh no, a poll question. Yes, you promised. I did. You promised you were going to tell people to answer
1: it this week, like we do. Every, Every week, week. yeah, this yep. wasn't exactly. Well, uh, yes, yeah, so people can find out only after solving this series of clues, each no. more devilishly clever than the one before. <laughs> no, now where? Oh, just a question. Oh, just a just a couple. Just a question, uh, Fine. <laughs> This is more of a ma'am. challenge. Who <laughs> call you <it> ma'am? <laughs> a identify a quotable movie with one line that is not one of the best-known quotes. No standard quote. You know, don't identify Casablanca with, play it, Sam, or Louis. This is the start of a beautiful friendship. But it's got to be a line that will identify the movie, that we, you'll just know. And you can do this by emailing us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com or going to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leaving a comment. Or you can find us on the only remaining social media platform anywhere on earth, the Facebook. Yeah, like Max we want to, bow Mike down Movies. to him. <laughs> <laughs> And you will, of course, find us on the podcast app of your choice, but you can't answer the question there. Or you can come to Mike's house, bang on the door in the middle of the night, and give the answer, and I'll give you his address right now. No, (laughs) (laughs) but we got lots more quotes to quote. We do. So, what movie are we quoting our quotes quoting from? Quote, quote, quote. Sorry. (laughs) You okay? What's no? I got (laughs) to lie down. But tell them next week's movie quickly.
0: Yeah. So we actually got a suggestion from a listener. Oh, good
1: for you, listeners.
0: And a commenter uh, who often, well, he doesn't often comment, but he does sometimes. This is from Mike Dan's The Weasel.
1: The Weasel.
0: The Weasel. And he heard last week's episode on Mean Girls and wanted to give us some suggestions. And one of them, I was like, you know what? This is a film I've only seen once, and many people adore... I wasn't one of them. Maybe I should give it a second chance. Now, this is a film Max has never heard of. <laughs> Max is, unfortunately, uh-huh. Max's experience with films is really oh, yeah. narrow. He's yeah, seen about think, 10 movies, movies in his entire life. Oh, if Ignoring that. the fact that we've done
1: over 200
0: <laughs> episodes of this show. Yeah, but so, I didn't
1: I didn't actually watch any of them. I lied about that.
0: Yeah. So um, this is actually a sequel. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. This is a sequel. The original film was... The Little Lebowski. This (laughs) is The Big Lebowski. Ah, yes. See, it's a sequel. Most people don't know because the first film wasn't really very good and this was a... He is lying. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see If I'm Lying, tune in next week and watch not The Little, The Big Lebowski.